Welcome to the Remnant by Reclaim 611 podcast. I am Paula and I am missing my sidekick today, Carrie. But we have some very, very special guests in the studio with us today. Um, you all may remember her from earlier segments. We have our survivor, Whitney, in the studio with us today. And Hi. Yes, and her boyfriend, CJ, is in the studio with us today. Beyonce. Oh, fiance. Oh, thank you for correcting me. I love it. Fiance. Listen, our survivor has a fiance. Come on, move up. Yes. So her fiance, CJ, is in the studio with us today. I love it. Um, Welcome back to the podcast again, Whitney. It's so good to see you. Uh, some things have changed since the last time you were in here. Yep. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what has changed since then. So um, I, well, we got pregnant. And, uh-huh. um, we found out we're having a little girl. She will be here next month. Wow. They're, it's supposed to be the 30th, uh-huh. but hopefully they'll rush it along and it'll be a little sooner. Congratulations. Thank you. Is this your first uh, child? Um, first pregnancy? I've, well, no, this is this is actually my sixth pregnancy. The only child that this is my rainbow baby. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, if God says the same, you know, this yeah. is my rainbow baby. Congratulations. I'm just Thank smiling you. from ear to ear, you know, <laughs> just knowing. And if people aren't aware of what a rainbow baby is, that means the baby that survived after miscarriages. Mm-hmm. So this is the rainbow baby. So <laughs> congratulations to Thank you. I'm you. so happy you've made it this far. And um, I believe God is going to bless you to see it to the end. And I believe have he will too. <laughs> beautiful bouncing baby girl. Well, if you all are wondering what this segment is about, this segment today, we are going to talk about recovery because, you know, we talk a lot about what happens to victims when, Um, They are in the life and how they have to deal with uh, drug abuse and they become victims of drug abuse. And so this is going to be quite interesting. So you can hear uh, a perspective from the survivor and her fiance. So um, you're going to take us back in time a little bit, Whitney, Mm -hmm. and just tell us a little bit about how you all met. Um, so we were actually at a transition. Do we say names? You don't have to. Okay. So we were at a, a, a transitional, um, uh, or like a sober living here in Dallas. And, um, you're actually not supposed to fraternize with the men or, you know, if you're a man, the women, but I don't know <laughs> we met and, um, I don't know. It's been fireworks ever since. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so we met there, and um, we started dating, and I ended up moving to another um, sober living, and he ended up moving to a different one, mm-hmm. and um, we've been together ever since. Wow, so how long have you all been together? Um, in October, on October 3rd, it'll be two years. Okay, okay, congratulations. Thank you. Um, CJ, can you tell us a little bit about your experience and I guess what brought you to the sober living place? Um, well, uh, it's been, uh, for 20 years, uh, the insanity repeated, you know, uh, I've been to prison four times, uh, 14 different treatment centers, a behavior modification program, I've been homeless, uh, living in dope traps, selling drugs just to p- support my habit. Mm-hmm. 
and numerous crimes. And um, I also had been uh, in and out of recovery, mm-hmm. um, but never sustained uh, longevity, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, people say that circumstances happen and they relapse. But until I took responsibility for, you know, it's me. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, child support taking my money or my girl leaving me or, you know, have to live life on life's terms. And this time, it stuck, you mm-hmm. know. I take accountability for my actions, mm-hmm. and then I change them. That's awesome. So... I heard you say you you were in in and out of programs, right? Yes. And how long have you been sober now? Um, twenty two months. I have two years in July. Oh, that is awesome! Congratulations to and you. And I work in treatment mm-hmm. uh, at Turtle Creek Recovery Center. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you you said a little bit about you had to take responsibility for it, but kind of tell us a little bit of what it looks like when you don't take responsibility for it. Like what, what's going on in your life, in your mind? What, what are you telling yourself? What are you doing that keeps you from being successful and sticking with it? Well, I mean, we all have something, whether it be uh, addiction or whatever, something in our life that has been broken, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to heal. Or I'll make an I statement. I needed to heal. Mm-hmm. My father wasn't in my life. Okay. My mother, registered nurse for over 35 years. Uh, that's my hero. Um, she did her best to raise two black men mm-hmm. on her own, but she's not a man. Mm-hmm. So for the longest, I had... Uh, in, in, in the 12 steps, we say resentment is the number one offender. I've always carried a resentment because my father wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Today, I have a relationship with my father, you know, That's and awesome. I had, you know, I had to make amends as well. And, you know, it's not on him to make the amends. You know, he doesn't owe me anything. But if I want to heal mm-hmm. and have peace... I had to let go of that resentment and then follow up with an amends. You know. Wow. Resentment. Interesting. I, I didn't know that. So thank you for sharing that. So do you think what, so were you able to go forward more with recovery once you let go of that resentment or was it other stuff that you had to let go of that finally allowed you to move forward? Um, well, here's the deal. Um, this is a light, ongoing process every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I wake up, I ask my higher power, never anything selfish. Okay. Like, give me, I need this Lambo, Lambo <laughs> truck. Let me get that Lambo. <laughs> Come on, God, give me that Lambo. <laughs> no, I, I make it, even before I do my prayer meditation, as soon as I open my eyes, Creator, help me to help your children. And whatever that looks like, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I start my day. Wow. Initially, as soon as I open my eyes, I make conscious contact with my higher power. Mm-hmm. 
Because another thing is fear. Fear. Fear manifests itself in several ways. Dishonesty, anger, uh, jealousy, pride. It's all self-centered fear. Mm. And that's one that I have to constantly look for. When I, when I get in fear, mm-hmm. when that crops up, I immediately have to ask my higher power, remove it, and then find somebody to help. Gotcha. So, so your daily focus is always on who can I help? Exactly. Today? Self-centered fear is the root of my problem. <clears throat> okay. Uh, the fear, if I don't get what I want, what I want when I want it. And if I don't get it, I'm going to take it. You're going to give me what I want, and that puts me in fear. Mm-hmm. I'm a selfish individual, right? Mm-hmm. So how do I get out of being self-centered? Put others first. You know, in the St. Francis prayer, it says, by self-forgetting one finds and awakens to eternal life. The universe is going to provide what you need if you take care of the universe. Gotcha. Okay. So focusing on others. Exactly. Uh, I like it. I like it. So, Whitney, um, tell us a little bit about your recovery and what kind of caused you to finally get on the track of, you know what, I'm going to do this, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to kick this. Um, well, he kind of set a high bar there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, but share your story. <laughs> so, um I had went to um, I went to this sober living and it wasn't even intentional. You know, it wasn't intentional that I got sober because I I mean at first of course I mean I didn't want to because I you know I you know you hear people oh I got sober you know I'm happy now I have this I have this you know in the back of my mind I'd be like yeah you're you're full of it <laughs> so um, when I initially had went there. Um, well, before I had went to a rehab beforehand, a court-ordered rehab, and I didn't think I was going to make it out of there. I thought I'd end up going back to jail, but um, I didn't. I actually, you know, I picked up a lot of stuff there, and, you know, my my downfall every time I got out of jail was trying to take matters into my own hands, like... Um, like, especially when it comes to, like, money or being broke or having nowhere to go, you know, because I didn't have anybody to depend on but myself. So um, I, as soon as I would start to feel like, you know, uh, I was out of money or, you know, I was about to, you know, not have anywhere to go, um, I would try to go make some money, do whatever, you know, whatever it took to, to make some money. And so this time I promised myself that I would give myself a chance, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, it's probably not going to work. But just so I said, I, I did it, you know, I'm going to go ahead and um, try to give myself a chance. And so when I got there, um, I started going to these meetings, um, you know, AANA, uh, all the other A's. <laughs> um, they have like groups that come up there, you know, and volunteer, like do a, what they call H and I's hospitals and institutions. Okay. Um, and it's where they carry the message there, the message of, you know, uh, of AA or NA or whatever, you know, whatever their group is. And so, um, I started going to these meetings and realized that, you know, these people that were here, you know, volunteering to do this, that their story sounded exactly like mine, you know, 
of course, not every detail, everybody, you know, but I mean, as far as like having to use um, it, it being the only thing that can make me feel better or get me through the day or, you know, whatever the case may be, it sounded exactly like mine. So um, I don't know. I think I kind of made a decision within like the first two and then the community because it was like communal living, you know, and you get I mean, I have lifelong friends Um that's where that's where I met um, April, one of the other survivors. For those listening, yeah. um, one of the other survivors that was on the show um, earlier. I mean, uh, yeah. previously, but yeah, that's where I met her. You know, and I, I've met some like lifelong friends that I know will be, you know, will be in contact forever. And um, I don't know. It's just, I think it was like the void that I needed to fill was like being, a, like being. A, a part of something or like, you know, like, like that's, that's always what I've been missing is like, you know, I wasn't really close to my family. And so, you know, through drugs, you get, whether you have to pay for it or not, you get friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think that when I, when I went here and, um, and I, you know, met these people and like, I fit in, you know, I fit in because we were, (laughs) Like he said, we were all broken, mm-hmm. you know, and just trying to pick the pieces back up, you know, and I don't know, it just, it just stuck like, oh, you know, for after that first month, I was like, dang, maybe I can do this. This isn't that bad. You know, of course, I'm having to go to IOP three times a week. There wasn't really much. What <laughs> there, is IOP? Uh, intensive outpatient. Okay. It, it was, um, I was in a, a specialty court for women who have had, um, who have been in, you know, involved in prostitution or um, have had like sec- uh, been sexually abused and just had like issues like that and um, and I I hated it at first I mm-hmm. I hated it until the day I got a probation which was like last month but mm-hmm. I I can honestly say that it, it it probably saved my life it played a huge part in saving my life because I'm ha- I'm having to go you know to to IOP twice a week for like two, like an hour and a half or two hours, uh, you know, uh, three times a week. And then I have to go to court every other week. Then I have to go UA, um, to you know, um, UA like at one point it was like five times a week, you know, like every single, every single weekday. Mm-hmm. But that kept me on my feet. And then I don't know. It's like once I, once I overcame all these obstacles, I was like, okay, well, I've dealt, you know, I've already gotten through this part. You know, it's not going to be that much longer. And I don't know. It just became a lifestyle after that. And then I don't know. I think that I feel like I never thought I'd make it this far anyways. Why not keep going? You know, once you get blessed, like, you know, I've through this pandemic, a lot of people that I know have like, uh, either overdosed, relapsed. Yeah. I mean, there's no like there's no accountability. And then when you're bored, you're sitting around thinking, you know, you're thinking in your own mind. And like CJ, whenever I whenever I get like worried or upset or whatever, he'll be like, you know what? Your mind is trying to kill you. Your mind is like playing with you, you know, so you need to be careful. Like he's always like if when I talk to him, when I'm going through stuff. He always has the answer for stuff. And um. I don't know, like, that. that's what I feel like people are, a lot of people since the pandemic especially are going through, you know, like, they're, like, they're sitting around bored and they're like, oh, like, I don't know, in my addiction, I would tell myself, um, 
you know what, I'm just going to use meth a couple times. It's not as bad as heroin. Mm -hmm. And I'd always end up, you know, with <laughs> back, back doing heroin, you gotcha. know. But it, it would just be this delusional thoughts I would tell myself to try to find a loophole into doing what I wanted to do. You know, it would be like a justification or whatever. But, yeah, I think the same thing is going on for a lot of people through the pandemic, you know. And um, thank God, like, you know, I wasn't I, w I wasn't one of those people. Like, I, you know, I can honestly say, like, things were not just, like, rainbows and butterflies. But, uh, I mean, I've, you know, like I said, I, gratefully, I'm grateful that I've been able to thrive during the pandemic. And, you know, like, we, we've been okay. And mm -hmm. I, I think that was, like, the ultimate test for me. Mm -hmm. Not having it. We didn't have to UA during the pandemic. We didn't. Right. We had everything over Zoom as far as court and stuff. And so it was like, oh, if I, if I wanted to go get high, I could have and got it away with it, you know. Right. But who knows if I would have made it back out alive. Right. So, um that that's a good point you make and i'm i'm going to definitely come back to that about the pandemic and you know people and how they coped or or failed to cope um what are some things so one thing i've been told is one of the greatest challenges is you know looking at sobriety from the lens of an addict, right? And it seems like you can't accomplish it because it seems so far off, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been told that the best thing to do is take it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. Take it one day at a time. So how have you, CJ, have, how have you been able to take it one day at a time and just continue to make those steps at continued <laughs> sobriety? Well, um, I picked this up from a TED talk. Uh, about addiction, and uh, the gentleman on there said, uh, the remedy to addiction is connection. Okay. Stay connected. Mm -hmm. Now, Whitney, you know, this is my fiance, so when she go ape, uh, I don't want to curse on here, when she get to tripping, I check her real quick like, hold on now, did you pray about this? Okay. Did you go pray? Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to call your sponsor, right? So... Uh, I sponsor guys now, right? Because mm -hmm. to keep what I have, I uh, I have to give it away, uh -huh. you know. So with the fellowship, rather it be, well, if you are connected, you have to be connected. Not only to your higher power, but my fellows, my peers. Mm -hmm. It can be church, mm -hmm. AA, NA. You have support. Mm -hmm. You don't have to carry that burden on your own. And the thing is, when you're in active addiction, I, I got to the point where I would go score. And, it, you know, at first I would get high with other people. And be like, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, let's party. Man, <laughs> it got to the point I would get my dope and go hide because I don't want you asking me for my stuff, you know? And that's pretty sad. Um, the first step, the spiritual principle of the first step is honesty. And transparency, I, I'm I'm authentic about everything today, mm -hmm. to the best of my ability. And, uh, you know, you have to admit there's a problem there. A lot of people, they don't, they're in denial. Mm -hmm. They don't want to face that. And until you admit you're powerless and your life is unmanageable, I mean, your life is probably unmanageable if you're sleeping under a bridge, mm -hmm. um, you're selling your body or, you know, 
I mean, some, something's unmanageable. You know, your family don't want to mess with you anymore. And you have to confront it, be honest, and accept the help then, you know. Gotcha. So I know that there are triggers to relapse, right? Mm-hmm. Certain things happen or trigger you to want to go back into that. How have you, since you both have been together, been able to work through moments that may have been triggering? Who goes first? You go first. Ladies first. Um, I I remember, like, um, a couple, like, well, a few a few times um, – I'm I'm always able to like if I'm if I'm feeling some type of way I'm always able to talk to him you know he knows he knows what I'm going through because he's in recovery too, and he's able like I'm I can honestly say I don't I don't know that I'd still be sober if I didn't have him for support you know like like early on you know because I didn't really know anything about recovery but um, I remember one time I was like looking through my old pictures and stuff and, um, I was like, I, you know, I've gained a lot of weight since I've been sober and even more so like being pregnant, you know, but I remember I was looking at my old pictures and I was like, man, I was like, I was so skinny. Right. And he was like, you know, that's morbid reflection. He was like, you know, what comes along with being that skinny for you? He was like, um, you know, and just like prostitution, guys, you know, beating me up, um, just everything unhealthy, the drugs, track marks on my arms, you know, just unhappiness, being miserable. And, you know, of course I, of course I still want to lose weight, but it just like throws me back into perspective. Like, wow, you know, it, it, how, how soon we forget, you know what I mean? Like all the stuff that you had to go through, like, well, I had to go through like that feeling of being sick, you know, withdrawing from heroin. It's not, it's not fun. It's not pleasant. And it makes you feel like you want to claw your skin off. Oh wow! Yeah. And it's just like, how soon I forget that, you know, like what, I'm just going to be one and done and be like, Oh, let me go back to sobriety. You know, it's not, it's just unrealistic. So I think just being able to talk about it with him and be honest, you know, I could, this is probably the first real healthy relationship that I've been in, period. But the first relationship where there's open communication, where I can talk with him about that and he doesn't get mad at me. He understands and he will redirect my help, like help redirect my thoughts and we'll talk about it together, you know, and we'll, it'll, it'll, I'll end up feeling better and my mind will go back to reality. Uh-huh. CJ, what about for you? What, what what has helped you when you have those moments where you're triggered to kind of fall into relapse? Well, um, I know in in uh, in the twelve steps you do uh, a self inventory. You know, you go deep, 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 deep down, and you look at why am I doing the things I'm doing? What is this? Is it fear? Is it I'm inconsiderate, self-seeking, being dishonest. Why? What? What is causing this to happen? So, when you do your fourth step, the fifth step is doing it with your sponsor, right? Or you can do it with the rabbi, priest, you know. And you're spilling your guts, your deepest, darkest secrets. You know, there's a there's a uh, cliche: your secrets keep you sick. So, again, being transparent, 
You know, I got to put all my cards on the table if I want to heal, you know. But I'm going to keep it real. Uh, no, I'm not triggered to go get high or drink today. But I get triggered when I'm driving and somebody cuts me off. <laughs> I still have road rage. Uh-huh. You, and then I want to follow them and then jump out the car and fight. Or uh, somebody bumps into me in the grocery store. I immediately want to cuss them out. Usually triggers come from some form of trauma. There's a trauma there. And by doing the shadow work of doing an inventory, we all have good things to contribute to life. But what about that bad stuff that we try to sweep under the rug? You know, uh, I'm straight up, you know. Yes, there's good thing, good qualities about me and there's bad. Uh, I'm just now really finding out a lot of the good qualities, but. I know the bad ones very well. <laughs> I know what them jokers look like, man. So uh, when I see it and I feel it and I spot it, man, my peace isn't here no more. Something's going on. And sometimes I have to remove myself from everything around me and be like, man, what, what's going on? And then I reach out to my high power. If I don't get any peace from that, usually after I remove myself in, in recovery, in AA, we call it practice the pause. When when uh, agitated or we face indecision, we pause and ask a higher power for the right right uh, direct direction to take and immediately find somebody to help, gotcha. to get out of self. Usually when I go help some, find somebody to help, I find somebody more screwed up than I am. And I'm like, wait, I'm, I'm all right. I ain't that bad. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and push on. Hey, I made it through the day. Hey, you, I'm good. Thank you, God. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, CJ, I want you to tell me a little bit about, you mentioned that now you are, are, are you somebody's sponsor? Or, or you have people under you? Yes. Or, so tell me about that. Tell me about um, how that works for right you. Right now, uh, I'm sponsoring two gentlemen. Um, and basically, um, the job of a sponsor is to take them through the 12 steps. So, um, you know, what my sponsor, when my sponsor took me through the 12 steps of AA, um, I took notes, you know, and, and studied and I learned you know, what works. That's another thing about relapse, you know. Uh, people are on the fence about relapse. Uh, relapse isn't part of recovery. Well, it's part of my recovery several times. And each time I relapse, I learn what works and what does not work, you know. And that's wisdom. I got wisdom from hitting that wall. Bam. Oh, that don't work. I ain't doing that no more. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, uh, yeah. And then... If it's not from the literature, then I, I let the gentleman know this was my experience with this. Mm-hmm. Now, what you do with it, that's on you. And then I can make a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Never do I, t- hey, man, do this, man. If you don't do this, I ain't working with you no more. No, you know, I'm like, hey, man, this is what, especially with the dating thing, you know, in, in recovery, they say don't get into a, uh, 
intimate relationship for a year, which we did not do. <laughs> but again, God is good. <laughs> we made it through. God is good. But yeah, so man, what man is going to practice abstinence for a year? So, I mean, that's a that's a very tall order. So I'd be like, hey, bro, if if you get involved, just communicate with me and don't make any big decisions without, you know, or, or pray. You know, I'm not the end all tell all. I don't have all the answers either, but I will tell you what my experience was. And you could take that. You can cash that. Mm-hmm. I'm, so this is my first time hearing that they tell you not to be in a relationship. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Because you're emotionally unstable. Yeah. Gotcha. And when you, okay, so step four, what is the? Oh, man. You see what I'm no, saying? No, step four <laughs> is doing like your, it's like the inventory he was talking about, like, like t- putting everything on the table. I'm talking about from first grade teachers who, you know, made you go to timeout that you're still mad at. To, you know, the big stuff. And so until you do your step, a thorough step four, thorough meaning, uh, so this, okay, so I'm going through the steps again right now, right? And I just finished my step four. Thank God I'm going through the steps again because the first time I did it, I learned nothing. And it was kind of like if I didn't want to put something, the, the lady I was working with, she didn't make me, you know, which is not which is not how you're supposed to do it. But mm-hmm. so this time I, I really, I really dug deep in not only did I learn a lot about, you know, why, why I've been so angry or, you know, stuff that I was holding on to, but I learned a lot about myself, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I realized, you know, how, how badly my actions affected the people that I cared about, you know, that I just was like, Oh, well they hurt me. So how can they be hurt? You know? So um, until a person thoroughly does a step four, then you can't really you don't know who you are because you don't because you don't know what what harm you caused and, and what defects you possessed. You know, and how can you how can you work on something if you don't don't even know something's wrong? You know, mm, that's good. How can you work on something? You don't know something's wrong, so now you have somebody else that you're involved with. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize you have this other stuff that's wrong. And so it's not fair to you or the other person, actually. When we first met, I was, I was not, I was not the funnest person to be around. I would always ask him to like send me his location, and you know, <laughs> he had to deal with. I mean, but just because I've been cheated on, um, I've cheated on people. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, dang, you know, if I'm if I'm doing some dirt, you know what I mean, or I'm texting other guys, you know, what is he doing? So. I mean, and he's had to deal with trauma from my past that wasn't even on him, you know, as far as, like, things he said or um, just, like, just different things. But I remember when we first got together, he was like, you know, um, I'm re- I really watch what I say what I'm, when I'm around you because I know you're fragile. And I'm like, I'm not fragile. <laughs> mm-hmm. But really, I was so, I was, you know, I was. I was so fragile. And had he not, you know, Guys are not like that. I've never met another guy who's like that, who's willing to accommodate me by, you know, kind of adjusting how they are when they're around me. Who who cares about me that much, you know, to to kind of change up how they normally are and watch what they say or do, you know, 
to make sure that they don't hurt me. You know, a lot of guys are not going to do that, especially when you first meet them. So I was truly blessed and I'm very grateful that he did that. But um, it just taught me how broken I was and how much trauma I carry into a relationship. It, it just, you know, it just um, confirms that, like, like just what I said, you know, like, if you're, I hadn't done a thorough step, I hadn't even done a step two when I first met him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I knew nothing about myself, and I just, you know, I just thought he was cute, and I was like, hey, you know, but now, you know, look what it's, look what it's um, evolved into, you know, and... I mean, it's healthy. I don't, I don't, I don't, we don't do the location thing anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I mean, like it's, we fully trust each other and I've never had that in a relationship and I wouldn't have been able to do that without being, doing that inventory in um, the communication that we have. Somebody who understands, oh heck, okay, I've been through this and somebody who's willing to accept all of me. Can I say something? Yes, sir. For those out there that are, uh, <laughs> Listening, if if you're in addiction, uh, rather it be porn, overeating, uh, alcoholism, uh, drugs, gambling, whatever, you know, uh, I did the 12 steps this time in AA. I've done them in Celebrate Recovery before, and I've done them in AA twice before. But people, when you say uh, one of the A's, they can tend to think it's like a cult, right? And the 12 steps were founded by the Oxford group. There were only six steps. The Oxford group was a Christian group, right? So the 12 steps are a spiritual program of action. And the whole purpose of the 12 steps is to find a God of your understanding and to have an intimate relationship with him. The beauty of this, it trickles down into every aspect of your life. I'm a better man. I'm a better father, a better brother, better fiance, you know, better son, you know. And then we clear up the wreckage of our past. And all that that we tow up. It, it's restored as we're being healed. All that's restored. And then you get more. I mean, I'm, man, the <laughs> blessings out the wazoo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's amazing. And I, I really, I'm really enjoying you all story. I'm listening to it, but also watching it. Um, you know, as I get to know you more and, you know, You've been a constant presence since I've been knowing her. <laughs> so I, I'm enjoying seeing this unfold. But Whitney, you mentioned something uh, earlier and you talked about how the pandemic has really impacted, you know, people, you know, mm-hmm. personally. So tell us a little bit about that and uh, share how you were able to get through the pandemic without having those same uh, reactions, I guess. Um. So... You know, like I said before, I'm in a specialty court program, and, um, you know, a lot of girls that I was at, uh, I was at Wilmer, which is a court-ordered um, uh, drug rehab. It's six months, and um, some of the girls end up in, in my uh, in my court, and then some of them end up in a, a different court, and... Um, but we're all, you know, we spent six months together, so we all kind of keep track of each other. You know, we're friends on Facebook anyways. But so, 
you know, I started to notice that uh, right after the pandemic hit and um, our, you know, our probation officers were telling us, um, well, you're not going to have to UA, but you still need to call. Well, we call um, it's called a color line. It, there's not a color, but you have your code you have to press in and it'll tell you uh, you have a UA today or um, you're not scheduled for a UA today. So we didn't have to do that anymore. Because, you know, we're not having to go in person. We're not having to do anything in person. And for, uh, you know, court and stuff like that, you know, like I was telling you, the justifications that, you know, us as addicts, we tell ourselves, you know, people were thinking that nobody's going to notice that, you know, they're on drugs or um, they'll do it for a little bit. And then as soon as the pandemic's, you know, that we got to go report again then uh, they'll get off drugs, you know, and it just, that's not the way it works, you know. It's its not even, it's not even logical to think that. But, you know, the lies we tell ourselves in order to get what we want. So um, a few, uh, a few of my friends or, you know, the people that I was associating with or whatever um, had ended up relapsing. Uh, one just went back. To, I mean, she's going to prison for a long time. She's got up like three uh, manufacturing with intent to deliver. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, manufacturing delivery charges. And um, I don't know. It's just it's just like really sad. You know, I, the same person I'm talking about, I went by her work and uh, and she was like, you know, this is when I was probably about five months pregnant. And she was like, Man, she was like, it's so crazy. Like, out of everybody, you know, that we were we were in Wilmer with, I, I never thought that you'd be one of the ones to make it. You know, you're you're happy. You're about to get married. You're about to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like thinking in the back of my mind, I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't either because, I mean, I really, I never thought it would be possible, you know. But like I said, I've, fortunately, I've thrived during the, the pandemic. Like, I... You know, it's been a couple times when I think like when I was watching TV or, you know, something like that where I had like triggering thoughts, but they immediately were followed up by a really, is that really what you're thinking about right now? But um, I was able to make it through the pandemic just by staying occupied, you know, like working, um, doing volunteer work. And, you know, we go out on date nights and stuff like that, so... When you're surrounded by recovery, it's really, really, really hard to just go back out there and use because you're surrounded by people who get it. You know, there's, you know, I mean, of course you're going to have people fall off, but like for me, I feel like, I I mean, I've come too far. I've gotten so much, like things I never thought would be possible. Before, before I got sober, I didn't ever have a job. Mm. I was always in prostitution, you know? So, I, I mean, I've had jobs since then. Um, after the baby, I have, I'm, I'm going to go work in recovery. You know what I mean? And who would have thought me, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Thank and you. I'm, again, I'm so proud of you and so, Thank you. so happy for you. And I wish you nothing but continued success and blessings. For Thank real. you. For real. Um, well, we are getting ready to wrap it up. Um, CJ, you left us, I mean, you gave us some you know, encouraging words. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with the listening audience before we end? Um, yeah. Um, so if, uh, 
you was you spoke about uh, the one day at a time. Um, in NA, they say just for today. Um, the another uh, cliche used is progress, not perfection. Right. So every day, you know, no matter what's going on, uh, we should strive to make progress. None of us are perfect. And uh, that may be partially why a few times I relapsed because I didn't hit the mark. I had expectations on things, on life. And then when it didn't go the way that CJ thought it should go, I got disappointed, depressed, and then I wanted something to make me feel better. Um Again, this is a life going process. Uh, we are we are recovered, but we'll be recovering for the rest of our lives, you know. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's out there struggling, um, my high power, if you take one step, it will take the rest. Mm-hmm. Just put forth the effort and, and, and try something different. Um Another mantra we use in recovery is don't leave before the miracle happens. Mm. That baby right there, you know, uh, about what was it, about 14 months ago? In uh, uh, November of 2019. Yeah. Whitney has um, had several miscarriages, right? And ectopic pregnancies. We had an atopic then. And uh, it hurt, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I spoke to her. I was like, babe, you know, when the timing is right, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? We thought I couldn't have kids. Right. We, I went to the doctor, and they did this test, and um, one, of my, uh, one of my tubes was blocked. Mm. And I cried and cried because, you know, we both want kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, uh, it, it really is a miracle, baby. That's a God thing, you know. When 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 you put yourself in position and get a line, things that are not supposed to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. You can trust that. So if anybody's out there struggling, uh, reach out. I don't know. Do y'all have a contact for them or for if they hear it or something? Yes. Okay. If they can contact y'all and then, you know, you guys can contact Yeah, I, I work at Total Creek Treatment Center. I have connections at Nexus for Women, mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about, you know. Okay. Uh, if anybody needs, uh, even if you want to do IOP, which is uh, outpatient, mm-hmm. it's all via Zoom right now. Mm-hmm. You can do meetings on Zoom. You don't even have to leave the house. Yeah. You sit in your drawers and a t-shirt and do a meeting. <laughs> but yeah, reach out. I'm here. Do the people have to be in Dallas to be a part of no. these programs? Okay. Oh, well, oh you mean um, to for, come the, to the for the treatment? Yeah. Well, they're in Dallas, so uh-huh. they would have to come here. What about the Zooms? No. Nope. Okay. Uh-uh. Man, you can do a Zoom meeting in Brazil. Okay. Or England. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you need the uh, the ID to them, the the Zoom IDs to any meetings or whatever, um, can they reach out to you guys and you just relay it to us yes, and we can you, give you that information? You can reach out to us via email at support at reclaim611.org. Again, that's support at reclaim611.org. So thank you both for sharing your story. Thank you for being so transparent and 
we do hope and pray that this helps somebody. If it's nobody but one person, then mission accomplished, definitely. So thank you all for listening. And to follow up with us, you can check out the website at www.reclaim611.org. And until next time, don't forget to step into the fight. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.